Well, good morning, everyone, or I'll say good morning. We used to do this at uh, 7.30. We're now doing it at 1.30 in the afternoon. So uh, we welcome you for, to uh, joining us. My name is Pat McClatchy. We want to recognize and thank our sponsor, BASF. We, as you know, they are the owners of Fibermax and Stoneville Cottonseed. Uh, today we are going to be led by Dr. John Robinson. Uh, he will be joining our cotton panel made up of Dr. O.A. Cleveland, uh, Gerald Nieper, and Kip Butts. John, thanks for joining us and clearing up what's going on in the cotton market. <laughs> well, when we met in the morning, we used to have days days to prepare for this. Um, but in the last two and a half hours, this is what I've this is what I've determined. Uh, I'm going to begin with the world the world uh, adjustments between September and August, and I would characterize them as I would characterize the, the world numbers as helpful, um, encouraging. Um, first of all, there were some um, there were some we started off with reduced beginning stocks, reflecting some greater 2021 mill use in a number of countries like Pakistan and Bangladesh and Brazil. And I'm further encouraged by the current marketing year also showed greater domestic use by those same three countries I just mentioned. Plus, there was there was month over month uh, increased consumption in Turkey. And that was offset by a, a decrease in in Vietnam, which was attributed to COVID disruption. So that that's still out there somewhere. It's, it's there. Uh, but anyhow, we had greater greater consumption. Uh, the trade categories are also higher uh, by half a million bales, uh, so that that's good. And then uh, all all of that increased use uh, more than offset a, a net increase in production. There were gains in the U.S., which I'll talk about in a second, and Australia and Argentina, and that outweighed production declines in India, notably in West Africa and in the EU. So the long and the short of all of that was we had a little over a half a million bale reduction in world ending stocks, which although undramatic, I'd say, you know, every little bit helps. So we've got a little bit of shrinkage in ending stocks there. And then I, like I say, I, I would call that encouraging, especially because it was spearheaded by, by greater consumption. So that's kind of the world story in a nutshell. Most of the head scratching, most of my head scratching, is related to the to the U.S. adjustments story. So, and there are a lot of moving parts across the U.S. balance sheet. So, the the first adjustment was on the supply side involving acreage. Everybody was expecting it because we have uh, FSA certified acreage data, uh, which month over month the FSA numbers were higher. But the FSA planted and the FSA harvested number were both lower than what NAS had been previously projecting. So there was a month-over-month decrease in the balance sheet of planted acres by a non-trivial amount. By five, it's five percent lower in September compared to August. A little over, well, 530,000 acres fewer planted and 440,000 fewer acres harvested. That's a four percent decline in harvested acres. Okay, so that's that's kind of big. I I would say um, abandonment really didn't change that much. It was it was eleven point six percent in August and eleven point three percent in September. It's just the the actual acreage numbers were down. But all of that all of that effect on production was 
swamped or outweighed anyway by an increase in average yield. Um, and here's where I'm really scratching my head. It, we, we rose from 800 pounds to 895, a 95-pound per acre increase in U.S. yield driven by a 106-pound per acre month-over-month change in Texas, from 621 pounds in Texas to 727, which, yeah, does get us better than India. So that's, it's good for that, but it leaves, it leaves me with lots, lots of questions. Uh, which I'll, let me come back to that and just finish the balance sheet story. So we had a big increase in supply, a 7% increase in production, um, and a 1.19 million bale increase in supply. Okay, well, exports was raised as well. Um, you know, you'd think we have greater exportable s- supplies here, so a half a million bales of more of U.S. exports, it was – partly attributed to the increase in supplies, partly attributed to the increase in, in world trade that we're seeing. So, so we have that, and the bottom line of it is that the supply effect was larger. So ending stocks, U.S. ending stocks, were 700,000 bales higher from 3 million to 3.7. Okay, so that, that's a non-trivial rise in, uh, in uh, ending stocks. The market, Pat was just telling us before we started, took a dip at the beginning there, maybe just looking at that number. But then uh, it came back and, and raised a little bit higher, and, and maybe because there's just lots of remaining questions like the ones in my mind about what is, how real is this increase in yields? How durable is this increase in forecasted yields? So there's, there's, there's a lot of things we can ponder with that. Um, first, um, the report, the NAS, yeah, the NAS production report, did mention, hey, you know, we had Hurricane Ida come in here. We may not have accounted for all of those effects. So they, they kind of left that open, and they were good to mention it. So, yeah, okay, maybe Ida's not fully accounted for. The report also uh, highlighted that it was, it was, the yield data were based on, the forecast was based on uh, the state objective uh, yield data collection process, which apparently started in September, and in Texas, it involved 491, almost 500 samples of 40-foot row where they're going out and they're counting small bowls, big bowls, open bowls, partially open bowls, and they're going to come back in October and do the same thing, and they're going to come back in November, December, and just not count the small bowls, but keep counting the other ones. Uh, so, so they're going out in the field and, and, and ground-truthing their estimate. Now, you know, some people may say, 491 observations in the state of Texas isn't enough. And that, I don't know. I might agree with you, but it's bigger than anybody else's sampling. So, and they've got, they've got uh, statistical um, um, verifications on their accuracy, which they, they publish. So I'm not going to quibble with their, um, their formula, except, except to wonder, and here's, I'm just going to wind up with this. They're basing, it's a formula projecting yield, based on bowls, you know, of various size and whatnot. To what extent that, if any, that that formula accounts for time, accounts for the calendar, accounts for days to maturation, and takes account of the freeze date, all those things are going to matter. They're going to matter this year because we have a late crop. If, if NAS directly includes or, or um, a, a 
accounts for the freeze date. I'm, I'm guessing they're going to assume an average freeze date, but of course, you know, it could be earlier than average. It could be later than average. So there's some, there's obviously there's risk around that forecast, like there is around any statistical forecast. Um, as I kind of think about it, it the, the yield was raised so dramatically that I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself, it's 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 probably capturing all the potential that's there. Uh, this is how I'm going to think about it: all the potential that's there. So I don't know that there's that much more room to the upside for this big crop estimate to get much bigger. Uh, it's a matter of holding on to everything that they just went out and counted. Um, although, you know, A, we could have a later than average freeze date, and B, if it was idyllic weather between now and then, I mean, sunny, dry, clear skies, you know, perfect football weather, which is also good for maturing bowls, and then, then maybe... Maybe it could get bigger. I'm inclined to think that more of the risk to this production forecast is to the downside in case we don't get idyllic weather or in case we get the average freeze or earlier. I don't wish that on anybody, but I'm just throwing out you know, possible, possible risks. Um, so I think if there's any room for this adjustment, it's probably to get a little smaller, but, but we'll see. I, and it appears to me that the market was probably probably discounting along the lines I was just thinking that eh, it, it may get it may get smaller, so uh, we're not going to worry too much about you know a bearish reaction um, to this report. So that's that's kind of where I've left it, Pat. I'll hand it back to you and the panel. Okay, well let's just open it up for any other comments on the crop report. You know. <clears throat> This crop, and the Texas crop, really hasn't been stressed. So I think the fruit retention is, is off the charts right now. Um, and, and maybe that's one thing that they're looking at as, as well. Um, so, it, you know, it seems dramatic. I mean, 167, 66-pound, you know, yield increase in, in the state, that's, that's monstrous. Um, but... Uh, um, I, I would tend to agree with you, John, that, you know, if, if the weather isn't perfect, yeah, okay, the crop comes down a little bit. But people are also thinking that they took off, maybe pulled off a little bit too much in the Mid-South and Southeast. I, I, I don't know. Um, the uh, I, I was hearing that, you know, that these rains was, were causing maybe a little bit of bull rot in, in Georgia. You know, the Carolinas aren't, you know, progressing well, but, you know, it's uh, it's a big crop. I, anyway, Hawaii, you got any comments on the Delta? Well, there's certainly, as as I think it's John implied or specifically said, and you did too, in my in, in my opinion, that uh, there is a world of fruit out there. Uh, the seed companies have given us uh, a plant that's just absolutely incredible with the fruit that's on it. Never seen anything like that. Uh, you get lost counting the bowls. Uh, but at the same time, and uh, maybe I jump around here, John, I, uh, you, you did a very nice job discussing NASA's uh, bowl counting and, and those things and estimates and their statistical program or statistical uh, framework that they use. Uh, sometimes we find it very difficult to find them uh, being very transparent about what they do. 
And I'm that way with respect to the bowls that you mentioned and because you specifically mentioned open bowls. And that's something that we don't have this year compared to last year's. Uh, it was only this week that we had, for the most part in the Delta, as many as two open bowls per plant. And certainly not all plants, just some plants. And gosh, it's after Labor Day, and you would think you would have that as early as fifteenth uh, of August uh, or the seventh of August. So the crop remains just considerably late. Uh, and as y'all discussed, if if we get, uh, yeah, well, if we do get an average frost date, of course we'll we'll in Texas. Uh, that's Halloween. Uh, uh, then that's not very far off when it comes to uh, being able to, to harvest these bowls that are that small. The harvestable, harvestable bowls are, are just very questionable at this stage. And uh, Again, you did a very nice job, of, in my opinion, of, of among other things, uh, needed things, that uh, the, the crop uh, that's out there still has to be harvested, and it's more than likely going to be smaller, and I think we're all kicking the can saying, well, how much smaller is it going to be? And uh, I, I don't know who knows that. I certainly don't. But we get an average uh, first first day of frost, first freeze day. Uh, I said Halloween. That would be what the Lubbock area would be a few days uh, earlier uh, near Amarillo, a few days later down at uh, La Mesa, I guess. But uh, uh, I, I just see the crop probably smaller. I, I'm not with the uh, – uh, I'm not as concerned about USDA has taken the crop down too low in the southeast uh, and, and, and the delta, as, as Gerald might, might be, but it, as much fruit as there is out there, it could be. I just It's just not open yet. Go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate your thoughts. All right. Here's a question for the group, and we are going to open up for questions for anyone out there that's got one of, of, of the group. But uh, I guess the question is, and, John, you oftentimes watch this, where are the big speculators right now, the big funds? I mean, I, we know they're long, but just how long are they? Um, they're not as long as they were two or three years ago, um, but they I, – I read something – I, I read something recently that uh, talking about the um, you know the commodity inflation play that everybody's been kind of reflecting on all summer, how that may be winding down. Therefore, the specs may have less and less reason to, or, or maybe think of it this way: the index funds have less and less reason to add to their position because you know it's after September economic things, macro things are maybe not as favorable. And like I say, the expectation of that inflation trade isn't, isn't as great as it, as it was. The other thing I would wonder about is for a hedge fund type person that's, you know, making specific bets about, you know, specific crops, there's, you know, the, the, the season and the production season is, is far along. So we, you know, we've got these things we've talked about, um, the weather between now and the freeze date and when the freeze date is. And I suppose some people may be positioning themselves for that. Some hedge fund type people who are 
focus specifically on cotton, but I, I don't know how big that is. Well, as John said, yeah, there's still a lot more room. I don't know, but if look at this week's numbers, they're probably like about, Gerald, you may call it tip, but they're probably 75,000 uh, or so. Uh, and can get, they can get up to 120, 150 if they wanted to, uh, thousand. Uh, uh, so I think, I think the problem with the specs is, is that we've hung here at 90, Three ninety four ninety five cents for so long. They're starting out. Who was that, Gerald? That you made something to comment about tired specs? Uh, or maybe yeah. John. But uh, you, you know, they, that, that's the biggest problem in my mind. If 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 we can get back above seventy five cents, I think the spec money can just uh, you know blow us up uh, or give us a very nice raise, a very nice increase. But we got to do that. And I don't see that happening until we get a little more concerned or the market gets a bit more concerned about the size of this crop, which takes us another three weeks down the road, probably. Any, anybody seen any longer-term for- yeah. weather forecast? I have uh, not, not in a while. I, yeah, I, I haven't seen one in a while either. It's, it's been a while since I've looked at it. One thing I want to bring up, too, we've talked about the crop and the concern over the crop, but but something that we we haven't talked about yet, I think we probably need to, is the demand for cotton worldwide. we got a really good export sales report uh, here today. and I, I think we need to keep in mind that even if we get a larger crop, it appears that there's sufficient demand to – probably take off more than the half million bales that USDA just added to it. We probably have room to uh, to get more than that. I think the biggest problem, uh, one of the things I'm having trouble with, are the logistic problems, trying to get this cotton where it belongs in a timely fashion. I, I think that's, that's problematic, and I'm not sure we're going to get a resolution to that anytime soon. Do you guys have any thoughts or comments on that? Am I, uh, is that valid or am I just off the left field with that? Merchants will bring that up. Yeah. Well, Kip, I, on, the, on the front end of what you said, I agree with you totally. You look at the places that uh, are, are the big places where U.S. sells cotton and consumption's improving uh, and it keeps improving. Of course, the USDA did reflect a 500,000 bell increase, but I would tend to think with what we're seeing uh, the num- with the numbers that we're seeing right now, that it will be well more than uh, the, today's 500,000 bale in, in increase. Yes, uh, we are running a little bit, well, don't want to say behind, but shipments are slow, let's put it like that. And I don't want to discount this logistics problem because it is broadcast every, every time you turn around. But we've been battling it for a while. We've seen the retailers go out and uh, charter their own uh, container uh, uh, transports. Uh, so it's the problem has a lot of uh, a, a lot of support with respect to fighting against it. Uh, yes, merchants do bring it up, but you know they were bringing it up when we were shipping 280 320,000 bales a week and now we're just shipping 180 170 to 220 thank you well, but I do think that because that's being talked about so much there will be some point here in the future where that 
sort of gets itself resolved to whatever degree it can be. And I think then we do see this sort of uh, of movement that's going to look really big at that at that point when it gets when it gets sort of resolved. And that I think is going because U.S. is a, a good reliable shipper, and I, I think that. We have the crop. I think they're going to come for it. So I'm, I, I agree with you, OA. I, I tried to say that I thought the half million probably won't be enough. I, I, but if we get these logistic problems sorted out, I think it can be even, even uh, it's just going to look really strong. Okay, let's go to questions. Uh, I, I want to remind anyone that's listening if you've got a question or if you've got a statement or if you're a farmer and want to talk about the crop conditions and and uh, discuss that, then feel free to do it. I'm going to take the mute off. You, you, you feel free to ask the question now. We, we might re-mute it if, we get, if we're getting a lot of background noise. But let's go ahead, and we're going to open it up. Okay, if you've got anything you'd like to say or any questions, please go ahead and, and ask it. Don't be bashful, please. Uh, this is uh, Bryce Hill with Discord. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I would say we've had a phenomenal September in terms of peak, and we are catching up on uh, finishing this crop out. There's a lot of dry land that's already opened it up, and it's going to make it to the finish line fine. And quite a bit of the irrigated has started opening up, too. Um, so for our little area, just north of Lubbock, I don't think we're going to have a problem getting to the finish line. Okay. Is the, gen- is the general feeling that, that outside your area, have you been hearing how it is in other areas as far as catching up? I would, I would say I would, I would, in the south, there, uh, they've got a lot more time than we do around like Seminole, Brownfield, that area. The concern would be up to the north around Plainview, Amarillo, Spearman, stuff like that. Um, but from what I've heard, they're, I mean, they're getting the same weather we are. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, this is, other than getting an early September rain, this has been perfect. I mean, we've missed out on that, but it's 98 degrees right now here in Lufkin. So, and it's supposed to be in the upper 90s all week. So, we're, we're really catching up. So, I don't think freeze is going to be a problem for a lot of us. I just need a crank rider. Okay. Anyone else? Probably should have let it shut that for a minute and try again. Shut it off and put it back on. All right. Last chance. Okay. Uh, Well, why don't we go around the panel and ask for price projections uh, to just see uh, what we're thinking, how high we can go or how low we can go. And, O.A., we're going to start with you. Thank you, Pat. Uh, I really needed that today. <laughs> uh, I was planning on going to school on Gerald. But I still, <laughs> I, I, I think the market, 
think this market's telling us that it really likes this firmness down at 91, 92 cents. I think we're very firm there. I think it told us that this morning when USDA came out with the with the report. We'd been down two days going into it. We got hit, as uh, you said earlier, uh, when the report came out. Uh, but we we have recovered. If you looking further into the report again, as I mentioned, you, you tend to see that uh, some very good U.S. markets are continued not are having good demand, but continue to have very strong demand. So they'll all be back for more cotton. Uh, Kip's point about China, I think, has to be very real. He, before we started the recording, he, Kip was talking about phase one. Uh, it's still in effect. That's one program the current administration didn't lop the head off uh, of the prior administration's program. So we still have that. Yes, we have some economic concerns with COVID here, there, and yonder. But uh, the firmness there at uh, 91, 92 cents, I think, opens the way to, to, to make this challenge at the 95, 96 cents. Uh, but we have to have some weather situations to do that, or we have to have uh, more confirmation that the crop uh, is not quite as large as what we're looking at now. So I, don't, I do not absolutely take $1 off the table as of yet. It does look more iffy, but uh, I would just continue to, to suggest to growers that uh, you have uh, uh, the way to hedge cotton, to price cotton, and who knows what's going on with respect to not only Washington and the entire world that we continue to read every day, whether it be a conspiracy theorist or what, about concerns with Taiwan and China. And if that thing were to flare up, just as this most unexpected thing with Afghanistan flared up, uh, a problem with Taiwan and China can just in the course of a week take 15 cents, maybe even as much as 20 cents out of its market. So it's not your question, Pat, but uh, price risk management is extremely important in my opinion right now. Okay, Kip, give us your thoughts. Oh, I uh, I, I think... OA's point about 91 cents or so being a, a, a good low support, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that 90, 91 cents is uh, that we're seeing mills uh, come in. Gerald made point earlier before we got on the call that he, he thought he recognized China was in to buy at that point. China's been buying, uh, as they did last year, they've been buying their reserves. So I think the demand there is very good. The high end of this market, at least now, given what we've got at I said 96 cents uh, last month, and I'm, I'm going to hang in with that now as well. Uh, but there's a lot of things that could happen that could take this market higher quickly, and I think the bias would be absence of a political situation for, for higher prices than 96 cents, but 96 is my high end right now. Okay. All right. John, what's your thoughts? Well, working on the theory that the market stayed supported because people discounted the production number. I'm going to, I'm going to be just a little bit lower just in case we all realize that what the gentleman from Lubbock was just saying that it is finishing fine and it is this big. And if that was the case, I'm going to lower it to 89 on the low side. And, you know, you can be a limit move or two from where we are and be at 97. So that that's what I'll say. 97 to 89. Okay. Gerald. 
Well, I, I guess I get to draft off the other three, but uh, I don't really have a problem. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with anything that anybody said. You know, 91, 92, I'm in pretty firm agreement with that, with, with OA. And, you know, 95 to 97 on the upside. So, you know, 91 in, in a narrow range, let's say 92 to 95, it seems like that we keep bouncing in that area, but, uh, you know, 91 to 97 is probably something that's a little bit more, uh, uh, a little more longer term. Um, it's just, uh, I, I didn't really think about OA's point on, on this China-Taiwan thing, uh, but, uh, yeah, you never know what's going to come out of the blue to just knock the socks off the market. <clears throat> okay. Any other comments from our panel on anything that you'd like to bring up before we close this out? All right. Thank you. I appreciate the gentleman from Lubbock who responded. Uh, it's always good to hear that. I, I, I do want to ask the question. Uh, I, I realize you can't answer it at, with, with, at this time, but I just wonder what kind of weight is on that dryland cotton. I, I'll try to start myself trying to see if I can get some weights on that to see what that yield really is. Uh, uh, and with respect to what I said about opening one or two Bowls per plant. I'm speaking specifically in in, in the mid south, but certainly not uh, not on the high plains where all the acreage is, or even uh, anywhere in Texas. But thank you again. All right. Any any other closing thoughts? Okay. Well, let's wrap it up and just say. Uh, uh, thanks for those of you that joined us today. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, we want to say a, a, a thank you to our sponsor, BASF, for all that they do for us. Uh, thank you, John, for leading our panel today. And that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.